Welcome to Before I Am Successful. My name is Chongor and today we have a bread and board entrepreneur, Oli Forsyth. Correct. Oli is the host of the Makers podcast and he has a bunch of other things going around inside the Makers group. He was also featured number three on the New York Times teen list and was also featured in different magazines like Forbes, The Times, Entrepreneur.com. He was also listed as the finalist uh, in the Young Entrepreneur category at the Great British Entrepreneur Awards in 2017. And he was also in the top 20 under 20 CEOs named by TransferWise. And beside all this, he is also really passionate about classic cars, as you can see. Oli, welcome to okay. Before and Successful. And great, thank you. How are you great. doing? I'm well. So, uh, I would like to start with uh, your passion about classic cars, because I think wow. that is amazing from such a young age. Yeah. Could you tell us more about that? Of course. So, I, I bought my first classic car when I think I was seven or eight years old. Not that, like the, the proper ones. Proper one. Yeah, I bought it with my dad and my brother. It cost £3,000, so we put in £1,000 each. And it was a 1967 Triumph GT6 Mark I. Uh, very quickly, so basically my dad, we bought it from Belgium and my dad had to go and get it and on the way back the back wheel came off on the motorway <laughs> and I thought great, like, I mean, that thousand pounds was my life savings, without yeah, anything wow. else um, and anyway so uh, it's now it's now worth about 15, 20,000, about 10, how long were I About 10, 15 years ago. Wow. Um, and as soon as we bought it, my brother wanted to sell it straight away. So I bought my brother out for a thousand pounds, for a hundred pounds extra. So, and my dad still has a third. Um, um, but aside, aside from the Triumph, in terms of big cars, I've got a 1930 Ostnauster, I've got a 1960s BMW, I've got a bunch of other things here and there. And, but these model cars, I've always collected from a young age, and I have about 800 of them. Oh somewhere. my god. Yeah. Back that is thing. impressive. So they have sell if you want to buy them. <laughs> so basically, what do you try to do this car flipping thing, buying them cheaper and selling I them? Used, I used to try. Um, I only ever sold one car, and I didn't make any money. But it was a replica of the Herbie Beetle with the '53. Do you know the Herbie car? No. No. So it's very some some of your fans may, but it's the '53 Beetle uh, with blue, white, and red stripes. Mm -hmm. um, anyway. I, I lost about a thousand pounds from that, but yeah, it was good fun. Oh yeah, that's that's impressive. Yeah. I didn't really know that you buy them for like three thousand in Belgium, and now ten years after. I mean, I think it's luck. Um, it's but you have to buy the right things. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I haven't bought anything now for I think five years. Yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, roughly five years. Um, but I'm focused on trying to create the business, not faff around these yeah. things. Well, and yeah, you don't, you don't even have a driver's license, but you have no. four cars. Something it's, like that. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So all this probably wouldn't happen uh, if you wouldn't have this entrepreneurial journey, because you made all your money through the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. And it started quite at a young age. 
So yeah. could you tell us more about how this money making started in yeah. your brain? So I used to meet my mum and dad a cup of tea in the morning when I was five, six years old. Yeah. I used to charge them 20p a cup and if they wanted to reheat it, it was another 20p. <laughs> so you could be making up to 80 pence a day, which for a six year old was quite a lot of money now. It's, yeah. uh, it was obviously like 80 pence, can't really buy much. Um, and from that, I've always been really interested in making money, even if it's like a couple of pounds. So when my um, when we when my mum and dad maybe did like a, a dinner party, yeah. like people would park on my grass outside. They get a parking fine, <laughs> and, they, and they have to pay it. They never paid. Um, but when I was, I mean, I did a school top shop at school on the coke can. I would say, do you not sell separately? You put two together, then you're not selling separately. Um, but I started my first real business age thirteen, which was a online gift shop for teenagers. So basically, um, you buy fun and inexpensive gifts yeah. at a cheap price, and you sell them to the mums, dads, uncles, aunties, and all of that for them to give it to their, you know, their, their relatives. Um, in the first six months, I made 10, 15 grand, wow. uh, which which was an, you know a good achievement. Um, and how I started with that was I I didn't really have any money at the time, yeah. but I got in touch with ten suppliers all around the world. And the deal was for me to uh, work with them, you know, uh, you know, in the future, they, they had sent me 10 free samples at no cost. So you had 10 suppliers send you 10 free samples yeah. for nothing. So you got 100 free samples, and what do you do? You normally start with 10 of each, make my first thousand pounds. And um, it just, it grew from that. Um, rolling on, I mean, that, that company, it was called Audio Shop, by the way. Audio Shop. Great name. Um, they mocked me, by the way. Um, I was coming out in quite a lot of media quite early on, and especially young people, they were saying, how do you start a company? Yeah. That's what I made. So at the age of 15, 16, I launched a Entrepreneur's Magazine, which was to encourage and inspire young people to go start companies. I, I interviewed people like Richard Branson um, and a bunch of other high-profile entrepreneurs, and that grew to roughly 45, 50,000 readers in the first wow. year. So I've always been really interested in meeting, you know, those those hungry, ambitious entrepreneurs. Yeah. I commercialized the whole community. I built that over uh, two, three years. Um, we started doing events. We started doing a, a bunch of other things. Um, and it suddenly occurred to me, you know, I meet some really interesting entrepreneurs. Um, how do we how do we take it all online? So I, I launched the Makers podcast. Um, so it's the, the Makers is the brand, like you said, yeah. but the Makers podcast is the podcast show. Um, I launched it back in September last year, and the focus was how do the most successful high-profile entrepreneurs screw up? <laughs> That's what we want to find out, because kind of like what we said before we came on live was all these successful entrepreneurs, they talk about all their highs, yeah. all their successes. That's boring. I want to find out where did you go exactly. when you hit rock bottom? Um, We've, I think we've done about 30 episodes now, 33 episodes. Um, but the makers, we've, we've got a bunch of things. We've got, we do events. We've just launched a corporate community builder where we will go and build millennial communities for companies. Um, I'm looking at um, a possible financial service, potentially, which we may look into, which we are looking to, which we may launch. <laughs> um, yeah, and a bunch of other things. That's amazing. So. Uh... 
the audience can find the. Uh, you said that you transitioned, so now the new uh, domain is makers. Oh, makers Makers.global. Make sure to check it out there. You will find the podcast and also all the other ventures which Sally exactly. is in. So it's definitely worth it to check out. So you said that you launched the Entrepreneur Magazine at 16. Uh, was that hard copy? So you were selling uh, no, the so hard it was, copy? That's a good question. So it was all online. Um, but I'm very dyslexic, so I, I can read or write. Yeah. Um, but what I did was I got in touch with all the university journalism societies yeah. and I got the students to write for me for free. Um, it was great exposure for them. Yeah. It gave them access to some great entrepreneurs. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for what they did. Um, one actually now works at OK Magazine, um, which is a big fashion magazine. Um, and the others are all over the place. Um, so yes, yeah, so it was all online, basically. And uh, how did you set up this whole system uh, at such a young age? Did you have a team or you were doing it alone? So I've had some great mentors. I've had, I've had teams in the past. Um, I've got a team now. Um, I think it's about having the right people around you. I think if you can have the right people around you, um, not only in your company, in terms yeah. of your team, but outside as well, to yeah. so have mentors. So um, I'll go into kind of my organizational life in a minute. Um, but I think, you know, a really good way to grow a company is obviously your team. That's what you've got to start off yeah. and a great idea. Um, but yeah, basically, that answers your question. So you mentioned mentors, and this was actually one of the questions. Uh, and I think it's quite hard for young people to maybe find a mentor. They don't know how to approach them. They are mm -hmm. scared. They don't know where to look for them. Yeah. So how did you start this process of finding a mentor and then talking with them? Okay, good question. First of all, it's not hard. There are 16 million people in the UK. If one of them does not mentor you, if you find they're not all entrepreneurs, then you're simply not trying hard enough. Um, I have five mentors in my life, and I, I call them life mentors. Yeah. I think every, every entrepreneur you speak to, every entrepreneur pretty much who's been on uh, our podcast show, they all have mentors in some shape or form. Yeah. You know, you can have mentors from, you can have all your business mentors, the finance, marketing, all of that jazz, um, but also just life mentors. Yeah. Have one or two people who, they may not be entrepreneurs, they can't be family related, they can't be friends related, but is that person going to be there when you know the shit really does get real yeah. and it gets really difficult? I think just having having a combination of business mentors, one or two people who are outside of business, they may be um, life coaches and things yeah. like that, really important because growing a business, I think especially for young people, they they're quite naive and I think they know it all. Um, and there are days when you want to give up, there are days when you just want to cry. By the way, it's fine to cry, it means you really care about what yeah. you want to go and do. Um, I mean, I remember there were days when last year, only last year, I slept two and a half hours for four months. And towards the end, I was, wow. I was exhausted, I was tired, I was, um, I was getting panic attacks, I was being sick, I thought I had a heart attack. And I just thought to myself, What's, what is my life? Is my life, I want to make a load of money, but by the time I'm 25, Money will come later. I know if you can build a great company, yeah. money will come later. I don't want to die at age 20. <laughs> That's right. Particularly. 
Um, so I, I took 10 days off. I just rethought, what do I want to achieve in my life? Um, and you get up the next day, put a tie on, start again. Exactly. Very simple. But that's, that's crazy. I mean, sleeping two and a half hours. It was night. not nice. But I think the, the fuel behind it was that you were so passionate about what you I were think, doing. Yeah, you were so passionate. But the frustrating thing is the business is not going in the right direction. I see. And um, if it's not going in the right direction, you have two options. You either fire everyone in your team, or you try and maybe you know redevelop your your service, or if it's not scalable, quit, stop it, and start again. Yeah. And the the problem with so we were focusing on young entrepreneurs. Yeah. The and we mentioned this before we came on the show as well. The problem with young entrepreneurs, don't disrespect them. I think they're great, but they have no money. Yeah. I'm not a charity. I'm here to try and make money, and I think there's only so much you can do for those people to have any money. Um, but now we, I mean, having, you know, I built that, that entrepreneurs community for five years. I mean, we've got about a thousand investors in our community. Yeah. Um, we've got a community of about 35,000 entrepreneurs. So, okay, finally, you made about millions from it, made a bit of money, but you know you can pretty much call up anyone. And mm. if you're trying to connect with somebody, I'm within reason. I'm pretty sure we can probably get to them somehow yeah. if I didn't know them already. I see. So your network is pretty solid. That's uh, yeah. that one for yeah, sure. Definitely. I mean, um, you know, the the thousand investors. These are the most high profile entrepreneurs. I'm pretty sure you, any name I would say, you'll probably know them. So I think from that that angle is great. Um, but also from the entrepreneurs angle, your general hungry, ambitious entrepreneur. Yeah. You hopefully know, you know, for instance, if we launch some kind of financial service, um, it's along the lines of if entrepreneurs want to raise, um, can can we connect the investors to our entrepreneurs, the really interesting entrepreneurs looking to raise yeah. anyway? You know, um, you've already got all of a sudden got the thousand investors at your disposal. Yeah. If you've got a question about your own business, I'm pretty sure one of those thousand people I can call and maybe just ask five minutes at a time. But going back to what I was going to say was the 35,000 entrepreneurs, hopefully when they start going fundraise and scale the business, you know, they'll think of hopefully us or, you know, maybe not us, but down the line and say, can, can Ollie um, help me, you know, with some investors? It's almost like we, I do get it a lot. Through the podcast alone, I get a lot of deal flow. Yeah. So entrepreneurs looking to raise. Um, but I'm very particular. It's got to be a company disrupting a millennial market. I absolutely believe millennials and even the next generation so the you know um, you know the ten year olds to the eighteen year olds yeah. who aren't millennials yet, um, they are the future. I'm a firm believer. You know our generation, yeah. um, you know, will never own a car. Um, they'll never be able to buy a house because it's too expensive. They want to come assless. I'm pretty sure it's, their money is more about the experience. Yeah. Um, so I think if you can build those, those companies or those services, you could do really well. That's brilliant. So we have one more thing in common. We are we want to help millennials, and we are yeah, focusing on that. Exactly. Yeah. So let's say there is a viewer who would like to raise money. Uh, how could he reach out to this uh, venture community? Community. Yeah. So I think first of all it depends how much you're looking to raise and what kind of investment you want. Yeah. There's two types of, well, there's really three types of investment, but two that's most appealing for you. You can go down the crowdfunding routes, yeah. where you get a crowd to invest in you. 
I'm quite skeptical about crowdfunding. I think um, it can be dangerous. I think you can your reputation can be destroyed very quickly. I saw one recently. It was a financial. Uh, it was a fintech uh, company, and their reputation was just destroyed by getting on the crowdfunding sites. Um, anyway, I, I don't know what what happened, but um, I think if you've got once you've got a proven business and you've got a real really loyal community, yeah. crowdfunding is great. But I think if you're just if you're just launching. I think it can be very damaging. I, I, if, if you don't raise, it's very unlikely you'll be able to raise, um, you know, quicker offline. Yeah. The second is just reaching out to a bunch of investors. Um, you know, these are angel investors. But if you've got a really good business that you haven't raised any money for, and you're potentially generating 30,000 pounds a month in yeah. revenue, then obviously you can go to VCs. Um, the VC community. You know, it's great, I think, especially in London. Um, I, I'm actually really interested about Asian markets. Yeah. Um, and I said, just Asian people, to be honest. All my friends in London, they're all Asian. And the reason why is I, no disrespect to other people, but I just find the Asian mindset so interesting. They're so hardworking. They're very friendly to get along with. Um, and I've, all, I've always found them, you know, very inspiring. Yeah. And I think if you have that same mindset, and you are honestly working 90 hours a day. These are the entrepreneurs, like some will say, oh, I work 90 hours a day, but actually you only work 9, 10. Exactly. If you, if you can, if those, if the Chinese or, you know, Asian, Vietnamese, whoever you are, if, if they are honestly working 90 hours a day, seven days a week, yeah. it's, a lot, it's a culture thing. They all push and push and push until they get what they want. Then that's where I want to be with them. So we'll see. I, I also heard that in China, uh, you have a good reputation if you literally fall asleep in the tube because you are so tired. Really uh, for that, you get a reputation uh, that the other people recognize that, oh, this, this guy is really? hard working. Yeah. I mean, like we said on before we came on as well, you know, I'm, I would potentially love to move to Asia at yeah. some point. Um, I think somewhere like Hong Kong, China, Singapore is very interesting. Um, but also, you know, for, for a white British guy, all female going going out there and working in China, that also has its advantages. But exactly the same with Asian people coming here, companies and uh, investors love that kind of thing. Yeah. So I think again, it's just about building that community. I think the only disadvantage you know I would have, I know some people in in Asia, about 50, 60, but not a huge yeah. amount. You basically have sort of your whole network again. Yeah. But I kind of feel like I've been living in London four years now. I'm quite bored here, and I'm 21. And like I said, the last card you turn over is the only one that matters. Exactly. And if you don't do it now, it's going to be too late. So, we'll give it a So, um, you said that if you move to Hong Kong or China, you'll have to start your network all over again. How do you go about it? What's the, the plan of attack? <laughs> right, that? so I'm doing it now. Um, the initial stage would be to reach out to a bunch of people on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Um, intros is always very useful. So, um, I mean, over the years I've met a couple of people who live in kind of China or Hong Kong. So, intros is always very good. Honestly, you just have to put yourself out there. Yeah. So, I'm connecting with like all the accelerators, co working spaces, conferences, events. Um, you know, I think if you go out there and you go to the event and you're yeah. the only white guy or female, <laughs> I mean, it's quite obvious. You, uh, I mean, it's quite obvious, like, um, you know, you're interesting. Yeah. Um, it's like I, I went to an event in India 
uh, back in March this last year, and the wedding in India. And if you're the only white person in the room, <laughs> they're all going to come up to you and say, "Would you do um, this, that, that's not another day, the, the Indian wedding?" Quite, quite interesting. I lost it three days. An Indian wedding, never had that experience before. Um, but honestly, I, I think it's just about put, putting yourself out there. I think if you're charismatic, and people always ask, like, how do you build such a good network? Yeah. Honestly, if you're charismatic and you're good to get along with, you can have a good conversation with someone. Um, that's number one. Number two is the power of following up. If you, you need every single person you meet, always follow up them. Yeah. Don't wait weeks or weeks. Next day, if you like them, follow up them. Um, the only difficult thing is when you have such a large network is actually keeping touch with every single one of them, um, which I'm trying to work out. But you know, we all know each other, so. That's, that's awesome. So the number one thing, if you want to start to build your network, is to put yourself out there, create a LinkedIn profile if you don't have one yet and then start messaging people, introducing yourself, going to events, uh, networking events, and having great conversations yeah, with people. Exactly. And if you really like that person, then don't forget to follow up the next day. That's really yeah. important, right? And I think what you're trying to say also, if you really, really like them, go out for drinks the last Second. <laughs> yeah. It's like with the girls, if the first date goes well, then you get the second date, and then the third date. But if it doesn't, then... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Awesome. I also uh, wanted to just add something. You said that this Chinese mentality that they work so hard. Have you read the book uh, AI Superpowers? Maybe? I haven't, but I've heard yeah. it. Yes. So uh, that was the first book that I read about the Chinese uh, market and uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem. And it literally scared me. Really? Because, yes. Uh, what uh, happened in China, they started being copycats in around 2008-9, but time. now they are just working so hard on totally new and disrupting technologies only because in 2008 and 9 they were putting in 19-hour days. So now they just came over, especially in artificial intelligence, I think they are already better than the USA. And only because all those Chinese people work so crazy and hard. Mm. And that's impressive. So I think you'll learn a lot about this mentality. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Returning uh, to the makers podcast. So uh, nowadays, as you said, we were talking that this audio uh, content is more important because people, when they go in the tube or in the car, they can listen to it. Yeah. And maybe many people have an idea about the podcast, but they don't know how to start a podcast. How did you start yeah, your podcast? Great question. So, first of all, starting a podcast, I think it's great. I think if you can capture someone's attention for half an hour yeah. to 40 minutes, maybe to an hour, um, I think that, that marketing is amazing, genius. Um, the only trouble with doing you know, things like YouTube videos, I guess, um, is you can't watch them, you can watch them cheaper, it's less interactive. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're in the zone and you're walking or you're going to a meeting, um, you know, just having that, if you, if you can um, relate to someone, um, A, I think mean, that's number one, so I think they'll listen to you a lot more. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I mean, just having that, um, someone's attention, listening to someone's voice, or your own voice, for X amount of time, I think it's genius. Starting a podcast, I think first of all, it depends what you want to go and launch. Um, how how you can be different from the others. 
So our, you know, our USP is I, we just get access to the best names yeah. in the entrepreneur space. That's all I care about. So I want the biggest names, nothing else. Yeah. Um, uh, I think <clears throat> I think you get that pure focus. Um, that that's key. Um, if you just launch your podcast, fan, do you think not what you like that people will like? Is I think if you like it, then you think everyone's gonna like it. Yeah. You know, test 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 it out, and if you start getting lots of listeners, fantastic. So how many listeners do you have monthly? It's about seventy-five thousand weekly. That's, that's weekly. Weekly. Oh yeah. wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, the only reason why we get that is because of the big names. Yeah. I I I mean, I'm pretty sure that that's why. Um, but you know, like I said, we're also launching a separate podcast show, the Makers Money Podcast, which yeah. is to help millennials become more financially savvy. For me, the reason why I'm doing this initially, a not to build a community or to build a community, but I think if you can build, if you can prove you've got two amazing communities, you can go and launch many other things. Yeah, which you've got some ideas about, but that's the next time. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So um, you have you also mentioned uh, that you have dyslexia, mm -hmm. which is uh, probably. Many people would consider it a drawback, but you, I feel that you transformed it in a fuel for your life. How, how did you do it? How did you transform okay. it into something positive from a negative thing? So, when I was 16 years old, well, first of all, when I was 15, I could just start reading right. Yeah. So from 13, well, actually seven, sorry, to 15, when I was at school, I couldn't read and write particularly very well. I was very good in numbers, but apart from that, uh, I, I found that a great challenge. When I did my final GCSE at school, I I did, yeah, so sorry, I did my final GCSE, and 45 minutes later, I left school and I never went back to school, university. <laughs> There's two reasons behind that. I was very badly bullied in school, and I've always been bullied at school. I have no idea why. Yeah. Um, I, that's, I'll come on to that in a sec, actually. Um, the second was, if you're not academic, you have to go find what you love doing. Exactly. And if you love making money, or you love sports, you love acting, I can honestly say, do not go to university. It'll be a complete waste of time. Um, I think I think a lot of universities will actually start going bust because they don't think they have any money. I don't understand why universities uh, do their courses for three years. Or two years, the first year they just you know faff around and not do anything. Exactly. My brother's in that right now, which I don't <laughs> understand why. And they get into debt, which is very unlikely they'll be able to repay. Um, so if I was the education secretary tomorrow, I would can I would make sure every single university um, is a two-year course only. But apart from all of that, I make sure every single school is teaching their students basic life skills. Yeah. Um, cooking, how to fix a tire in a car how to fix a light bulb, financial stuff, pensions, mortgages, ISIS. I do not understand why um, schools and universities do that. And people say the education system is flawed. It's not flawed, there are just flaws in the education system, yeah. which need fixing. Um, but going back to when I was bullied, I mean, that I think actually was a, a big driver, especially in the early days, um, kind of 16 to 18. You know, you just have massive grudge on these people, mm -hmm. so you think that absolute losers and you want to prove yeah. them wrong. Um, they are still losers and uh, 
have no interest in what they're doing right now, but there we go. They were looking for jobs at you, though, so... There was a couple of articles <laughs> about that, yeah. Um, which, I would say no. Anyway. Definitely, if they bullied you once, then how can you trust them second time? I, what so. I, I always thought that, you know, if they, one of them was, they did come in, but if you were to actually hire them, I, I probably, I wouldn't be able to do this, but if it was legal, I'd hire them for the first day and then I'd uh, tell them, you're fired, <laughs> and ask them to leave. Um, so it says you right for bullying me. But I think on a more serious note, um, I don't understand why bullying goes on in schools. Um, I didn't have a podcast show last week where we talked about this whole well-being. Um, I, if, again, if I was the educated secretary, I was, if there's any bullying going on in schools, those head teachers, they have the right to kick those people out. Yeah. I think every school should kick her out, actually, not kick around, kick out um, the people who aren't any, any good or who are being, who are the bullies. Because quite frankly, they're the ones destroying people's lives. Exactly. And the reason why I think a lot of young people, uh, you know, unfortunately committing suicide is because I think they're being bullied at school. And unfortunately, the schools and head teachers, they won't miss it, but they know what's going on. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, it, it's a great shame, to be honest. Um, but hopefully, you know, someone will come up with a magic solution to solve it. Yeah, that's so sad. And uh, the problem is that, again, as you said, the educational system is not focusing on life skills. And one of the life skills which is important, not only for entrepreneurs, but for everybody, is working on your mindset. Yeah. And uh, basically programming your mindset that you are good enough to do yeah. something in, exactly. li in life. So I think maybe this would be the magic potion, introducing some kind of mm -hmm. class which is focused yeah. on spirituality, meditation, yeah. on basically psychology, practical psychology. Or I, I think definitely, um, I mean, I'm, no, the school never taught me a mindset, I teach mindset myself. But I think, so my, my mindset is basically work 20% harder than the day before. Yeah. Every single day, 364 days a year, apart from Christmas Day, which is also my birthday. <laughs> I'm up at 4.30 every morning. I go to bed at 11, six and a half days a week. So I work, I do all, so my life is quite structured. I try and make yeah. quite structures. I do all my interviews on Monday. I do all my meetings on Tuesday. I maybe have a couple of calls during the week. And I work as fast hours, as hard as I can. Um, productively until Sunday afternoon and then Sunday afternoon is kind of my weekend mm -hmm. um, what else do I do my watch is always 10 minutes faster because I hate people who are late for meetings so if your watch is 10 minutes faster you know you're 10 minutes ahead of the curve yeah. and you have 10 minutes to you know get to where you need to be um, I think you just everyone's different I mean if you have a really strong mindset my mindset is to chase the person I want to be in 5 years I think if you can continue to chase that hero you want to be in five years and work 20% harder than the day before, those small things I think are you know, very powerful. Unfortunately, I think it's just a British culture thing. Um, I find my, well, my, my friendship group for Brits, they're lazy, they're quite, well, they are quite lazy. Yeah. I think it's just a, a British thing. Whereas the, my Asian friends, they're so hardworking. They will be in that office at 6am yeah. and they will not leave there until 11 and that to me is, is very inspiring. 
That's why all my friends are hating. That is inspiring. It literally gave me goosebumps. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's inspiring. I'm going to so, ask you the same question. What's your mindset? <laughs> okay. So my mindset, I think it's very, very similar to yours. And I was going to say that if I if I am planning to know a person better, I always ask about their habits. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that habits define the person you are. So if you have a well-structured life, that will, at the end, pay off. It's the same, I, I usually wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and then value a lot this uh, deep work phase, which, which you also said that you have just deep work uh, days, mm-hmm. basically. And uh, yeah, everything is about structure and having the calendar, calendar everything scheduled in, knowing mm-hmm. when what starts, eating at the same time, mm-hmm. going to sleep at the same mm-hmm. time. What time do you get to sleep? Usually 10. So I'm, I'm, I like to sleep 8 hours. Okay. I feel that that's when I function properly. Yeah. I'm planning to experiment soon with sleeping a bit less. So what would be your advice on this? To begin with, so I'll still get up at 6 a.m. Try to go to bed at 10.30 and see if you are more productive late night. So I, I'm not, I do really like early mornings, but I, I work much more productively late nights. Yeah. That's when all these ideas and jet fuel energy just comes to me. I get all these ideas late at night. Um, when I was very stressed, I used to wake up every night. So although you guys eat two and a half hours a night, yeah. during these four months, you probably wake up at least once. Um, and you just have an idea, ping! <laughs> and you have to, I always have a notebook. So I always have a notebook each side of the bed because I didn't know which way I was going to hold around. <laughs> so if it's on the right, I always have my right book. If it's on the left, I'm in my left notebook. Um, and then I did have an experiment to actually see how much uh, humans roll around when they're sleeping. The answer is not actually very much. Um, but I think um, yeah, try, and, try and maybe, you may be different, you may have all your ideas in the morning. Um, always reading news. So as soon as I'm up, I read news for half an hour. I think it's really important to go to, you know, listen to what's going on in the world. I listen to about an hour of audiobook uh, once a day. I do two or three podcasts once a day as well. I do a bit of music, but like all this content is you know, rushing through your head. Yeah. The, the difficult thing I'm trying to figure out at the moment is uh, how you easily forget things when there's so much information in your head. Yeah. <laughs> My head's not big enough. <laughs> it's already big, <laughs> but it's not big enough. I just have too much information out there. But I think it's also really important just to chill. Yeah. Um, I learned when I was going through immense stress, I, I really learned the art of just got to chill out. Um, so during the, those, during normally on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm normally at an event or an entrepreneur's dinner or something anyway. I still classify it as work because you're still, I guess, networking. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think it's having, um, it's having great fun. I think it's not taking life too seriously. I mean, if you take it too life seriously, you're, it's just boring. And it's, exactly. Uh, if you're going to die tomorrow, have you achieved absolutely everything you can possibly, you know, achieved or, uh, achieve? Um, have a good friendship group and just yeah, okay, have fun. Yeah, I value a lot as well uh, this being always happy in the be- and in a beautiful state. So, um, how do you put yourself in a good state from the moment you okay. wake up, or it just comes naturally? So. No, I've never shared this before, right? So every morning, like that in the morning, yeah. good morning, when you wake up. You right? say good morning? Yeah, good morning. <laughs> but always, 
this is the only moment where you go, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. And it just like feels right. Yeah. Let's hit it. Let's go make. That's awesome. Let's go make the day happen. Yeah. I always have cold showers as well. Cold showers. Yeah, cold showers, yeah. Cold showers is very good for stress. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I literally was at the at the Unleash the Power Within event this weekend at Tony Robbins. Oh yeah. And the the main the main thing from the event was that uh, in order to produce great results, of course the results results come from actions. But before taking the action, you have to be in a good state. Yeah. So it's really important then uh, put yourself in a good state first. Yeah. Then you will kill procrastination. Yeah. And stuff like this. I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think just from a mental point of view, um, you know, I found audiobooks is very good just to switch off nights. Yeah. Um, you know, I occasionally maybe watch one or two programs during the week, uh, but not much. If TV helps you chill out, then watch TV. Um, drink a lot of water. I try and get yeah. to the gym most days as well. Um, everyone's different, but I, I think if you're highly stressed, just stop because you'll burn out. Um, and to be honest, since I, I think I probably was burnt out last year, I think I just, I overstepped it. Um, but ever since that, that, that happens, you're, you're like super happy, you yeah. absolutely find how life's going. You know, not everyone's going to go according to plan. Um, but I think if you're being challenged or work gets challenging, it could be mental, it could be personal, it could be business, yeah. just keep going because as soon as you get through that, it is really challenging. You know, later in life, you can pretty much get away, get go exactly. through anything. So I think, I think actually, almost the earlier the chance, the immense challenges come, the, the harder, sorry, the, the easier it comes later. Um, you just need to be brave and get through it, yeah. and then we come next and try again. Exactly, and uh, also with the break, as you said, to take a few days off. It's important. Yeah, That's so important, I think. And I read uh, somewhere that most entrepreneurs uh, schedule their yearly plan according to their holidays. So first they put in the holidays and only after that they put in the work. So they know that, all right, now I will work like crazy for three months, yeah. but I have a reward after that. I'm going for a short trip yeah. somewhere. Interesting. So I'm definitely convinced that you are a huge consumer of information daily and trying to stay on top of the news and what's mm -hmm. happening around. Yeah. How do you do that? Uh, staying uh, on top of what's happening in the entrepreneurial world, learning something new, all these things. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you get to um, learn a lot through the people you, you interview anyway. Yeah. That's one way. Um, I read the, the Times and the Financial Times in the morning. I read BBC News. I read, I, well, I listen to a couple of podcasts. Um, I do a couple of audiobooks. Normally one's business and one's just somewhat influential to me. Yeah. So right now, um, two podcasts I'm reading. There's actually three podcasts, sorry. Three audiobooks I'm listening at the moment. One is um, The Nike Story um, by Phil Knight. Yeah. Um, shoe dog it's called um, the other one is called Satellite Serhant um, this guy um, Ryan Serhant he's the number one like, property broker in the US Very, quite, he's quite well known he's on the um, million dollar listing and my personal one is Michael Kane uh, the actor and 
from his book, uh, he he just his words ringing in my ears that as soon as change comes, just got to keep going yeah. and get go through that. Uh, you know the obstacle. That's awesome. How much? That that's yeah. That was I do. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, for now. So what would be your? Let's say you said that one time you're reading a business book and something else. So what would be the best book? What that you read about business and the best one for personal development. So people with books, Philip Green, uh, founder of the uh, well, not founder, but he does the Topshop and BHS. Yeah, I think it's very you know admirable what he's done. Um, even though you know people give him lots of grief, I think what he's achieved is you know truly inspiring. Yeah. considering he started with nothing. Um, you know the the shoe dog book, I think is very interesting. Um, in terms of podcasts, well, there are so many. Yours, obviously. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Um, besides all these achievements, you were featured in numerous uh, magazines. You had successful businesses. They also read about you that you love giving back to the community. Wow, you uh, got all your research. <laughs> I do. So I'm curious. Uh, what is your way of giving back? Yeah. So I'm an ambassador for two charities. Um, one is the Princess Trust, which is quite a big charity here in the UK, where they support you know um, you know the, the people who are you know, they just need a break basically. Yeah. I think that's really inspiring what what they've done. Um, I'm more involved in that entrepreneur side, um, you know, trying to get as many young entrepreneurs starting companies. Who are maybe from you know disadvantaged backgrounds. I think it's truly inspiring. And the other um, ambassador to the charity called the Xavier Project, which educates uh, young people in Uganda uh, and Kenya. Um, That's great. I think you know there's only so much you can do. I think um, you know I love to do more, but there's two sides. You 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 can give back. You also here to run the company. Yeah. I think if you can build a massive company, then also get back bigger amounts. I think it's really inspiring. That's amazing. Really inspiring. Regarding this, that you said that it might be a challenge and you can just run so many things. I once uh, received an advice from one of my mentors. He said that um, he always tries to put everything in the same bowl. So he has his company, and let's say just suppose that he's making money from a some health-related uh, project. Then he will try to also support charities which are related to that uh, health problem, you know? And then he can just take on more because everything is in the same bubble towards the same global idea. So it might be... Yeah, I mean, I think people will be different, but I think if you can juggle lots of things, great, some people can't. Um, you know, I try and stay focused as possible. But that's why I think going back to mentors, yeah. I think if you can find the right mentors who are suited for you, you've really got to find the right ones. Some are, you know, um, some are potentially, well, yeah, I think you've got to find the right ones. Um, you know, some you would really like, yeah. some are very inspiring to you, some are maybe high profile, but then you have others who are as useful as a chocolate teapot. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think, you know, well, yeah, you, it's, it's difficult because I don't quite think they understand what's going on in your mind. 
But I think if you can find those golden gems, so the mentors who understand you, they yeah. understand what's going through your mind, but perhaps they've started similar companies to you in the past, yeah, that's game. Yeah, definitely. That's the most important thing. Having working in the same industry, yeah. having the same type of company. That's... And never pay a mentor. I it, it's not yeah, it's quite it doesn't anger it does anger me, but how mentors can just essentially take advantage of young people when you have any money anyway. Yeah. Never pay for a mentor. Ever. Well you, you can if pay you if you can't find a mentor, reach out to me and I'll introduce you to one. Well, you can pay somehow uh, by offering your services and helping them. Wouldn't exactly. that, that be a way to... There are two ways. So you can have informal mentors, which are maybe for younger entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, once you have a bit more of a track record, you start forming an advisory board and then they get equity. Um, that's the best way to do it. That's, that's great. So you definitely went through lots of things and you also talked about challenges and you, how you have to push through them. Could you talk us through about one challenge during your life in business? Jeez. That you Do had. you have one of mine? Unfortunately not, because the Times writes about success stories. <laughs> challenge. Let's say in the past six months, it's much easier. Uh, God, there have been so many. Well, not <laughs> actually, that's a lie. Um, I definitely think when we try to grow the community of entrepreneurs, I think you just got to reach a, I think you got to reach a point where is this working or is it not working? If it's not working, cut the ties and move on. Yeah. I think if you're young enough to start a company and you're young enough to fail, fail fast and try again. Um, biggest challenge was not not identifying the scalability in this in the in the community of entrepreneurs. Um, I think I only wished I was saw that earlier. You know, I initially thought, could we, could we really scale this? But looking at the flip side, what I am very grateful for is I built a massive community and I know a lot of people who, you know, I'm very grateful to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hopefully I've helped them in some way as well. But I think at the end of the day, you've got to decide, are you here to be a charity? Are you here to make money? Or yeah. do you want to make a lot of money and then get back? Um, you know, for me, I want to build a massive company um, I don't believe the UK is the right place, to be honest. Like I said, I'm very interested in Asian markets. Asia. I want to go and explore Asia for nine years, and then if you can sell the company by the time of 30, happy days, go sit on the beach for a day and start again. Yeah. Um, I think, to be honest, my going through challenges is fine, but you just, you've got to be happy. If you're not happy, stop and go and get a job or start another company. Um, if you're not happy with what you're doing, it's going to kill you. And honestly, when I had those panic attacks, um, you know, sleeping two and a half hours a night for four months, I initially thought, okay, first month, you don't really see much change. Yeah. Besides, then, you know, I, I normally see four or five hours a night anyway. Um, but two, three months in, when you start, you know, getting, um, when your friends start saying, you know, you look exhausted, and then I think, um, yeah, month four was, was just, you could just see instantly. Uh, you, you, you still got all the same energy, um, but you know deep inside, this is not working. Yeah. If, I'm, if I'm, you know, tired and if I'm not very well, just stop. Uh, and I think, to be honest, if I didn't stop, I, I think I would have had a heart attack, age 20. So I stopped. That's crazy. Wow. 
<laughs> that's just I, I think you've uh, listened to your gut if your gut is telling you to stop stop if your gut is telling you to go on holiday yeah. go on holiday if your gut is asking you to uh, ask your your girl or boy who's a friend on a date <laughs> ask them out what's the worst that can happen the only thing that's going to happen is he, she or they say no Yeah. they say no try harder and who knows the world's your oyster uh, rejection in the entrepreneurial life it's like uh, you get you a cup get, of tea you're so. going to get rejected every <laughs> single time definitely. you're going to get rejected probably a hundred times before that one person says yes um, but I think if you can build up a community of really interesting entrepreneurs yeah. mentors investors um, you are likely you're not less likely to fail but you're more likely to get into the door um, so you know people like uh, so we have lots of different drink companies in our network. Um, I am quite lucky where I know most of the CEOs of big supermarkets and all their buyers. Yeah. So we get I, I get asked quite often you know all the community just needs to head of buying at Sainsbury's. Um, and sure you know it's just one phone call I just introduce them on WhatsApp and that's it. Whereas if you go to other people. Um, they may know and they may not know as many people but I think it's you've got to cherry pick at some stage who you want to help yeah. I'm a big believer if somebody can help me I'm more than happy to tell them if I like that person and that person I know is just not going to abuse me abuse the network my network um, you know then the, you know this works together but I think if you can instantly see the people who are going to um, you know abuse, abuse you just yeah don't work them there are plenty more efficiency exactly just pick the right ones yeah well and you can immediately spot who is like a taker just take 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 yeah and who comes to you first like giving giving a lot exactly and then yeah same mentors I guess I think just yeah one of my pieces of advice would be just go and build a massive network yeah. it doesn't matter who you go meet um, you know the early days you go to as many entrepreneur events as possible um, as you start to grow and as you start to become more well known in the space uh, maybe you do a mix and match some you get invited to some you just um, you know book on online and go yeah. to the events but I think once once you once you are in a room and people pretty much everyone knows who you are that's when you know you don't need to book events anymore um, it's just got to keep trying that's, that's awesome yeah we are approaching the final two questions, on, which yeah. are like uh, we ask every interviewee. Oh, no. So uh, the first one, we are really passionate about uh, philosophy, mm -hmm. especially stoicism. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd like to ask you, what would you do if you would have one day left to live? Go. <laughs> um, if I have one day to live. You have unlimited resources, so it's about the action. What I most people will say, I'm gonna go on a massive party, massive. I'm gonna do that. I think that's pretty boring. I would. One country always fascinates me is India. I went to. I've been to India twice. First time was with some um, some friends about two years ago for six weeks, and I went out for work last year. Yeah. I think um, I probably. Go all around India, go and explore as much India as possible for a day. No, it doesn't sound very interesting, but 
I've already gone on safaris, going to swim with sharks, go tiger hunting, not to kill, but to go and see them. Um, like all that, the whole fancy thing of like buying yachts, and it, it, honestly, I have no interest in that. I, I, I like to think and I hope to think as you get more and more successful, um, people just are the same, but you know, money does change you. I hope to think that will never change me. Yeah. I like just saying I'm down to earth, just you know, hungry for the next deal, I guess. That's brilliant. Um, God, what would I do if there was one more day? Um, do you know what? I don't really care. I would just go out with a bang. That's all I care about. <laughs> yeah. And what about if you would have seven days to live? Is this the is this one of your two questions or is this part is this part two? It's a it's the same question. So oh, it's it will be one one day. Seven, then let's on. see how it changes. It's not a nice question. So if I knew I was going to die in seven days, yeah, touch what is it? <laughs> it's not going to happen. Definitely not. It's just like hypothetically. Seven days. Um, okay, that's a great question. I'd I'd eat the best food in the world. Um, if I wasn't married, I'd get married. Um, if I go to God, seven days, it reminds me of that film, The Bucket List. Have you seen <laughs> exactly, that? yeah, yeah. Is that where you got the question from? No, it's basically from Stoicism. It's like okay, a, a right. Seven, seven days. Day one, I go to New York. Day two, I go to Shanghai. Day three, I go and climb Mount Everest or walk to the North Pole. Just going to the North Pole. Um, on the same night, I want to eat the best fish in the world, caught on that day. Four, I would go to one of my hopefully favorite cities in the world, Hong Kong. Um, was that day four I said? Uh, it was five, I think. Day five. Okay. No, five. Okay, yeah, this is five. Um, day five. Um, day five, six and seven. I know I said I don't like volume that, but I just want to eat as much as I can, the best yeah. hotel, the best food. <laughs> and just have a great time before I knew it was going to go. And do you know what my last meal would be? What? Sausages and mash. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love sausages. Yeah. That's awesome. Now what about, is the same question, what about three years left? Three years. Um, If I knew I was going to die in three years, I would just go, I would stop everything I'm doing. Um, I was going to travel around the world with one of my best friends yeah. um, who's from Vietnam and just going to have a chill life. Seeing the world, the beauty of the world. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And lastly, at the end of every interview, we give our audience a challenge for the next seven days, which they can try out and then if they like it, they can implement it in their lives. What would be your challenge for our audience? I know that I, I definitely know that you're a big fan of habits and structures. So what do you think would change? Yeah, get more structures. Structure. I think, um, yeah, try and get more structures where you plan your, you know, your, your week ahead. So small things such as put your watch faster for 10 minutes. Yeah. So you always wait 10 minutes the game. Do make a list of everything you want to do the night before. Um, that's number two. Um, plan. It depends what what you do for work, but I think just plan your life. Yeah. Get up an hour earlier and see if that makes any difference. Read the news in the morning. Listen to 
uh, one of our podcasts, actually both of our podcasts, both, yeah, <laughs> and see if that makes you know any difference. To be honest, I think it's just about having a great time. I think if you're if you're not enjoying it, start again. Um, but I this is quite a few, but get get the mental as well. Um, yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, just get get structured in your life and have a great time. So the next challenge for you for the next seven days is you'll start today on Sunday, and uh, write out what will be your plan for the next day, and after that, what are the other things you will read news in the mm. morning? Get up an hour earlier. Get up an hour Go earlier. Spend an hour earlier. Later, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and plan your day ahead in the morning. Yeah, and I would say actually. Put yourself out there as much as possible. Um, you know, it could be social media, it could be going yeah. to events, connect with people. If you are trying to meet or connect someone in particular, the only thing you're going to be able to do to get to them is by reaching out to them. Yeah. Because it's very unlikely you're going to meet them in an event. Um, email them, tweet them. If they don't reply, keep badgering them. And there are always areas around the ways you can reach out to them. So there are three or four entrepreneurs who um, I am doing, but I've wanted to interview about a year, and the email's nowhere to be hidden, uh, nowhere online, they've got no social media, but just use clever ways, like um, who owns um, the name of the company, look out, look out the details, who owns this domain, and then eventually their, their private emails and uh, you know, data's there. If it's a financial service, you can look at um, you know, financial regulations yeah. and the register, they're just really, I guess, innovative ways. Um, companies House is always a good one. You know, be innovative. There's someone yeah. you really wants to try and meet because I don't know, involve your company as an investor or mentor or whatever. If they do respond, send them something in the post. I don't know. Or yeah. Google turn up at their office and door. Or if you know, to be honest, the best way is if you know somebody knows them, ask for an intro because then that, that person knows them yeah. pretty well. That's brilliant. That's about five. <laughs> yeah, so you'll have a, a tough challenge. week. Yeah, big challenge. Great, thank you very thank much, you so Eric. Much. It thank was a you. pleasure to have you. you. If you really enjoy our stories, make sure to hit the subscribe button because we will have amazing people like Oli every week and they will be ready to inspire you. And if you don't hit subscribe, you're a failure. Yeah, and also check out the Makers podcast. Thank you.